0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Justin Ochoa back with another episode of the Gym Sessions podcast. And I'm super pumped about today's show. We have on Mike Nielsen. He is the head strength conditioning coach at Gonzaga, working with the women's hoops team there. And he's also the host of my favorite basketball podcast, Hoop Commitment, where he talks about basketball performance training from a nutrition training recovery, leadership, perspective. It's an amazing show. I've learned a ton over the years by listening to this show. So if you haven't heard Hoop Commitment, definitely tap into that. It's a great resource. And it's one of the biggest reasons that I asked Mike to be on the show because I listened to his podcast for for so long that I finally mustered up the strength to ask him to be on the show. And luckily he said yes. So here we are with an amazing episode. We dove in deep on all of his philosophies on training. We talked about basketball nutrition, basketball training, basketball leadership, and we talked about all of these things, diving deep on how he implements them with his athletes and how you guys can use this in your own scenario as well. So again, this is Mike Nielsen, episode 11, amazing show. I hope you guys enjoy. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Ah, oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to connect.
0: I can't. I've been looking forward to this for a while, man. I've been a fan of your podcast for years now, and so you know, it was it was just like it felt like the right time to ask. I never like to to rush into things, you know. I really want to know my podcast guests to a certain extent, so I feel like I've listened to enough of your episodes. I I feel like I know you a little bit, so that will enhance the conversation even more.
1: I'm so excited too. It's just that you know when you have two guys that love basketball, that love performance, uh, something good is going to come out of today.
0: Oh yeah, I can't wait, man. So let's jump right in and and give the uh, the world, or I guess maybe not the world, but the the couple dozen people that listen to this podcast um, an intro to who you are and, and what you do and how you got to this point in your career.
1: Well, I'm the head strength coach here at Gonzaga University. And I work directly with women's basketball, and then I oversee the nutrition for our whole athletic department. So I work with all our athletes here. And my journey really just started loving basketball. I got introduced to Michael Jordan when I was in third, fourth grade, and that was just it. I saw Michael Jordan commercial, and you know, that was he was my favorite player from then on out, and had a pretty good high school career. When it came time to sign a Division One scholarship, I didn't have any offers, and that was heartbreaking. And so, ended up walking on here at Gonzaga, and it was the toughest thing I've ever done. It was also the best thing that I ever did. Had to walk on for two years, ended up getting a scholarship, and then my junior year, we had just this breakout season. Um, Gonzaga basketball never won a tournament game in the history of the program. They made one NC two A uh, appearance. And so my junior year, we ended up going to the Elite Eight. And that just kind of turned Spokane uh, into, into Zag fans. My senior year, we go to the Sweet 16. I'm a starter. I get to be a defensive player of the year. And, and I was a good basketball player. I wasn't a great basketball player, but I really loved the weight room. I loved learning about the human body. I had a phenomenal athletic trainer named Steve DeLong who told me, you only get one body. So might as well learn as much as you can about it. And so he really started my love of strength conditioning. And it was amazing to see how the more work I put in the weight room, the more energy and effort I put into taking care of my body, how my game improved. Got to play a couple years over in Germany. And when it came time to hang up the shoes, I knew I wanted to be a strength coach. And so between joining Gonzaga again um, and finishing my career, I actually started a physical therapy and sports performance clinic. We have three locations here in Spokane. It's called U-District Physical Therapy. I have two great partners in it, and um, yeah, that's just been a fun journey. I've learned a ton from the physical therapy world. That's really influenced my thoughts on strength conditioning, and now it's just really my dream job. I I spend most of my day, pretty much all my day here at Gonzaga, but I still do some work with our physical therapy clinic. We also have uh, counseling, sports psychology, and so I just love how all the di- uh, different disciplines all come together to really support the athlete. And so, um, yeah, I do my podcast just for fun, a little bit to give back, but mostly just selfishly. i love to connect with the other mm-hmm. professionals in, uh, in our field.
0: I'm the same way, man. Like some of this is like, yeah, I want to provide great resources to people and to help people learn. And part of it's also like, I want to talk to cool people and learn from them myself. And um uh, you mentioned your podcast, hoop commitment. That's something I've been listening to for years now. Um, seems like maybe since like the original like quarantine days. Um, but with podcasts, I go in spurts. Like I'll I'll binge podcasts and then I'll I'll be in more of a music phase. And so then I'll I'll go away from podcasts and audiobooks and I'll go back to music. So it's always nice to come back and and have those episodes like banked up where like I'm just coming out of a music phase and I'm like, I need to get back into a podcast phase, uh, go to hoop commitment. There's like maybe 10 or 12 episodes in a row that I haven't heard and I'll just bang them out, you know, just one after another, listen, listen, and listen. And so uh, let's talk about your podcast a little bit because like I said, it's been a great resource for me. You have great guests on there. You have great solo episodes. What, um, you know, what's been your journey in the podcast world and where do you kind of see that podcast going in the future?
1: Well, I started hoop commitment from this idea. I was talking with someone and he said, Hey, do you know the difference between a goal and a commitment? And I'd never heard that before. And of course I said, no. And he says, well, a goal is something that you want to do, but a commitment is something that you have to do. And for some reason that just resonated with me because Mm -hmm. I thought about all the times I set goals and failed and don't get me wrong, goals are great. We all need these things that we aspire to do, these big dreams. But what I found is the only thing that really guaranteed my success was making a commitment, is when I shifted my mindset. And when I turned I want to into I have to, when I took my goals and turned them into commitments, everything changed. And so that just kind of set this wheel uh, in motion. And then I, the other, the other big thing that kind of started me on hoop commitment was I read an article about Jerry Seinfeld and how he became the most successful comedian of our time. And he believes the key to his success is he writes just one joke a day. And I just love the simplicity of that committing to one joke a day. And the power of what he does is he puts a calendar on his wall. And every day he writes a joke, he earns the right to put an X on his calendar. So after a week, he has seven X's in a row. he calls it a chain of success. And I started thinking about the stacks and stacks of calendars and I thought, I'm going to do that. You know, because I teach my kids, I have three little kids and tell them, you could do anything you want to do if you commit to it. And so now for the past nine years, I have a calendar on my wall. I have thousands of X's in a row. And I just make a new commitment every year. I love hearing you say that you're just coming out of the music phase. I'm actually in a music phase. So yeah. some years I might study. One year I studied Thich Nhat Hanh and studied meditation. And I do that for a year. And um, one year I studied nutrition in Dr. Brardy. One year I studied function in Gary Gray. And it just so happens this year I'm studying singing with Alan Stone. And so for nice. this course of the year, I'm taking classes, online classes at Berkeley. I'll take uh, def- different voice lessons uh, online and I just study his music. And so it's, I just love that idea of, you know, very few people are born great singers. But anyone could be a good singer if you put the time in, and so mm-hmm. things that are important to me, I just make a commitment to, and, and that's kind of how hoop commitment came. I just love the idea of, you know, how can I really impact my athletes? And I thought, well, the three areas where I really want to be an expert and I want to spend the next 20 years of my life really digging into is nutrition, strength, conditioning, and leadership. And so the hoop commitment podcast, the, the tagline is eat, train, lead, and it's all geared towards basketball players. And so, I'm a licensed sports nutritionist, and uh, I do little solo episodes so people can kind of see like a broad view, like a, uh, a big picture view of what good nutrition is for basketball players. And then I try and bring on the best basketball nutrition experts in the world. And then same thing with strength conditioning. I'll do a few solo epi- episodes so they can kind of cut through some of the weeds that you might see on social media about what good strength conditioning for basketball is. They can kind of have a big template. And then I try and bring on experts. And then same thing for leadership. And so we talked about, you know, it definitely being a great resource for high school coaches, players, college coaches. I have college coaches that reach out to me or professional coaches, and I love that piece of it. So it's definitely a great resource for them. But what I found is just really organizing all the thoughts in my mind and and being able to put it down on paper has made me a better strength coach. You know, my nutrition, the three levels of basketball nutrition has been such a great format for me when I sit down with my athletes and I'm kind of lost in the weeds. And sometimes it's hard to kind of figure out and you have this anchor. Now of this template of the three levels to really be able to make sure that you're covering all your bases and you're progressing them along. So I started out doing one episode a week, which was so fun. I
0: mm-hmm. did that for
1: a couple of years. I hit my hundredth episode and I'm like, it's so hard to get great content every yeah. week. Yeah. And what started out as like a really fun passion project started, to just weigh on me, which was like, okay, what am I doing next week? What am I doing next week? And so now I switched more to a monthly format, which has been way better for my mental health and mm-hmm. uh, allows me to do a little better job at, you know, uh, my day job here.
0: No, I love that too, because uh, there's a couple spin off questions that I kind of want to throw at you based on that. Um, I noticed that, yeah, some of them are, you're starting to go, um, you know, more weeks between, but I like the intro and outros of the previous episode. Cause you're, you're saying like, here's who we're going to have on next. Like you're already working towards that or kind of working that in. So it's building up the anticipation to that next guest because you already know who it is. Cause you're not so focused on getting every week an episode and maybe, maybe like, you know finding one the week of, or a couple days before um, which I definitely know that feeling. Um, The other thing is you mentioned E-Train Lead, which is kind of the format that I want to follow on this podcast is is to, you know, really dive in on those levels um, that are so foundational to your program, uh, both at Gonzaga and to your, you know, your U-District stuff as well. Um, But even before we jump into that, I do want to talk about earning your X um, because that's such a cool story. Um, The origin is dope. I didn't know the the part about the joke a day. Um, talk about some of the X's that you've earned over the years. I know you mentioned studying at Precision Nutrition Gray Institute. Um, you're doing some singing stuff now or, or voice stuff now. Um, what are some of the X's that you've earned over the years? And talk about a little bit about like your just that whole journey of studying one thing for a whole year.
1: Well, I think the the cool thing about being my age is. I've lived long enough to where I really know the things that are important to me. You know, I play guitar for 30 years. And so I know guitar is something that really rings true to me. It's not just a, you know, a little phase that in a year I'll forget about. And so I have Mm -hmm. these core areas that just really speak to me and are just part of who I am. And then the other cool thing is hopefully I have another 45 years of life left to where I can, you know, keep on discovering and digging deeper into things. And so what what I really wanted to do was spend a year digging into something deep. And Jerry Seinfeld, I love the idea of what's your one thing. You know, for him, he is a comedian. His one thing is writing jokes. And when you're a basketball strength coach, it's hard to have one thing because Mm -hmm. just in strength and conditioning, there are so many areas that you could be an expert in. You know, just even our field is strength and conditioning. Right. Yeah. Let alone Nutrition, let alone being a business owner, let alone leadership or being a father, all these other things. And so I had a hard time saying I'm going to do one thing a day for the rest of my life. But I thought, what if I really dug in deep and I committed to at least 15 minutes a day? And so I just started making lists of all the people that I was really interested in that could give me shortcuts, all the areas. And so one of the people that really stand out is Gary Gray. And I just figured, man, if I know 10%. Of what this guy knew about the human body i'd be such a better strength coach and what's great is he's prolific in all the materials he's produced and so i said well every day for this year i'm going to commit to at least 15 minutes a day and so if i'm sick tired or unmotivated if i'm stressed to the max i'm still going to get my 15 minutes in because it's mm-hmm. not even something i want to do it's something i have to do but on an average, it's probably an hour or two hours. On some days, it might be six hours of studying. I might just be in a groove. Right. So I have a calendar on my wall, and I just mark it off. And what I usually do is probably the two or three months before I start gathering material and start thinking about how I'm going to study them. And so for Gary Gray, he has a bunch of online courses you can take. He has his 3D maps. He has his certification in applied functional science. I've done his 40-week fellowship program. He'll do live functional um, sessions around the the U.S. And so what I try and do is I try and see the person live if I can. I buy all their courses. I follow them on social media. Um, I just really dig into it. And so last year or two years ago, I studied Dr. Brardy and his idea of nutrition. And that's the other thing is when I study function – I'm going to study function through the eyes of one person because there's a lot of people that see function different. And I really appreciate the way that Gary Gray sees it. And when it comes to nutrition, you could go down a ton of rabbit holes. I did this one thing. It was called the great health debate. It was an eight night uh, event where they paired industry leaders in the field against one another. And so the first night was this medical doctor nutritionist that has spent 40 years gathering research and proving why the best way to eat is to be a vegan. And after the first hour, I'm like, oh, crap, I guess I got to give up meat. <laughs> and the next hour was this medical doctor, uh, spent 40 years of his life, proving why you have to include animal products into your diet to be healthy. And I was like, wow, what a great night. You know. Mm. Then the next night was high carb versus low carb. The next was raw versus fermented food. It was unbelievable how you could take the smartest minds in the world and they could have different viewpoints and so i, I wanted to cut through the noise and to find someone that i really appreciated that i was in line with their nutritional philosophy and so dr Brardy of precision nutrition i just felt was the best and so for that year i started gathering materials the, the months before and i did his level p uh, level 1 of pn i did their year long mentorship program their pn2 uh, you know, I buy all his books, Change Makers. You know, follow him on social media, and so it's really nice because, you know, if I could be 10 percent as smart as Dr. Brardy in nutrition, I'm gonna be in good shape. And what's really nice. nice is when you find someone like that, he's taken almost everything he knows and distilled it down into these books and online courses. And it's amazing how much smarter you can get in one year. And so now, of course, I'm not as smart as him, but I really feel confident in my nutrition. And so just kind of like you, you go through strength conditioning phases and you go through music phases. I really try and follow my heart. And so, um, you know, this year I'm just really thinking about the singing aspect because I think the average person, including myself, would all agree. If you want to be a good nutritionist, any single person could go start studying over the course of the year. They're going to be great nutritionists. Mm hmm. Very few people think that they can sing. You know, most people have a growth mindset when it comes to everything except for singing, and then they're like, "Oh, I can't." Yeah. There's no way I could ever sing, and I'm like, "Well, have you ever taken a lesson? Have you ever studied it?" Of course, you know, like right. oh, I'll never be able to play basketball. I just suck. Have you ever practiced basketball? No. Right. You never have, it. of course you suck. And so that's this would be a really fun experiment to say, how good can I get in the course of a year? Uh, taking classes, you know, having mentorship, and so yeah, I've done. I've studied the stock market, um, you know. I've studied uh, Pat Flynn, who helped me uh, do the online business, and that's what kind of got me building my website and building the podcast. And so it's just really fun. You just follow your heart, pick one area, find the best person, and then just just dig into it as much as you can. You know, I even go like one step probably too far, which is I super fan of, I buy all their gear. So I got (laughs) Alan Stone Christmas ornaments. I got Alan Stone (laughs) beanie cap, Alan Stone jacket, Alan Stone sticker pins, you know, it's fun just to like, just totally dig into it. And, you know, last night I'm, um, you know, getting undressed and, you know, cleaning up my bedroom, and I'm listening to Alan Stone interviews. And by the end of the year, you really feel like you not only know how they sing, but you get to know their motivations and what really inspired them. So, I hope in 20 years we're still friends, and I can share 20 more things I studied.
0: That's so cool. I love that. I'm stealing that, man. It's a, it's just, it's a fascinating approach because, like for me, I know. Man, I try to do a lot at one time. Like I'm trying to do eight different things at one time and I I get pretty good results at eight things. But what if I only did four or one? Like how, how good would those results be if all of my time and attention was on that one thing? And like you said, you can get so much better, so much smarter at whatever, you know, if you just focus on it for 365 days and then you have it for life and then you can refine it As you need to but move on to a new skill so i I really like that that's like that's one of the coolest things i've heard in a long time like i just never heard anybody doing that before and when i heard you doing it i'm like damn this is this is like some next level stuff right here this is how you really learn something because you can't get discouraged because you don't have anything else to do you know what i mean like you're locked in on that one topic so just want to kind of commend you on that. That's, that's pretty cool. And I hope uh, a lot of people get inspired by that and, and maybe try it out for, it doesn't even have to be a year, maybe three months, six months, whatever the case may be. If you really give your best shot at something, I think the results will be pretty cool to see for everybody.
1: Yeah. The idea of putting a calendar on your wall is so powerful because you see it every day. And someone told me that it's, it's really easy to fail if you only have one or two days of success. And so, you know, we all wake up after the season ends and we're like, we're waking up at 5am, we're going to run 10 miles, I'm going to work out, you know, everyone can do that for a day or two. Um, but what happens in day 10, month 10, right? Um, but the power of the calendar is when you have a 1000 X's in a row, there's no way you're going to fail. You know, two years ago, I had open heart surgery. And I had to be at the surgery center, like at whatever, seven, six in the morning. And, and so... I woke up and my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to go study. She's like, you're not studying today. And I'm like, are you crazy? You know, (laughs) I have 2000 X's. You think I'm going to skip one day now? And so now the day after heart surgery was tough because I was drugged up. I was in and out of uh, consciousness. And so I just committed to, I'm going to do, I'm going to do 15 minutes. It's not even an option. It's no goal. It's right. And I just, I had these things memorized. I was studying fascia. Uh, lenny persino at the time and so i had his principles and so i was just I, that was my commitment I'm just gonna go over and review those principles over and over again and now it's just not even a question there's no i'm gonna try there's not there's you know like when you make a decision and all other options are cut off it's actually super easy the hard mm-hmm. part is when you're not sure when you think you know yeah. like should I should I take this cold shower, the contrast shower? If you're unsure, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. But if the decision's already made and you have to, it just becomes super easy. So yeah, I'm just excited about it and it's just something I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. And hopefully instead of doing New Year's resolutions, people hear this and they say, I'll do a New Year's commitment, you know? Yeah. Because 2024 is coming, whether we want to want it to come or not. And so might as well make a commitment, knowing that it's not a think, not a hope, a wish. I guarantee that you will be better off if you do this, you know, in the next 12 months.
0: I love it. I love it, man. That's awesome. So let's jump into your your training philosophy. Um, you, it really kind of sounds like pillars for, for life, you know what I mean, beyond sports. And it's eat, train, lead. It's the tagline of hoop commitment. Um, and we'll break down each level. And just talk about each one for for a little bit of time and see what kind of rabbit holes we can dive into. Um, but I want to start with eat. Um, I know you have three levels of nutrition, or three kind of columns or pillars. Let's go into level one, two, and three as it pertains to eating for basketball players.
1: Yeah, well, I do a lot of recruiting visits. That's part of the rotation here. Is when people come in, they get to see their academic advisor, athletic trainer, they get to see the strength coach, and One of the sales I give to all the families is I say, you can't be a great strength coach unless you're a great nutritionist because 100% of the energy that it takes to run, squat, jump, shoot comes from the food that you eat. Mm -hmm. And if you want to put on lean muscle tissue, 100% of that muscle is going to come from the food that you eat. And so nutrition is so important. And so what I tell the the athletes is I'm going to take you through the three levels of basketball nutrition over the course of your career here. And it's like a video game. You, you can't really be too concerned with level two if you're not doing level one. And there's no way we're going to have the, a level three conversation if you're not doing both level one and level two. And level one is the foundation of all good nutrition. And that's the truth that food is fuel. Just like gas is fuel for your car, food is fuel for your body. And mm-hmm. so I'll I give a lot of uh, talks and classes and I always tease my athletes. I'll say, Who understands that? Who understands that food is fuel for your body? And everyone raises their hand and I'm like, none of you understand this. <laughs> everyone understands that gas is fuel for your car. Yep. Because you know, we're about a five-hour drive from Seattle here in Spokane. And I said, if you found out you were playing UW in five hours and coach was like, We gotta get over for the game, and everyone ran out to the car and you turned it on and you were on empty, not one of you would say, I don't have time to gas up. I got to get to the game. Not one of you, because everyone believes the truth that gas is fuel for your car. But I can almost guarantee there's going to be the majority of people in this room are going to come to me at some point and say, I got to have time to eat. I didn't have time. I had a meeting with my professor. We had weights went long. I had to go to class, whatever the excuse is. and, and, And those things do happen. But that tells me you don't understand the truth that food is fuel for your body. And so that's the principle. The way we put it into the action is I have my athletes eat every three to four hours. So if they wake up at 7, 8 o'clock, they should have breakfast in. They should have snack or lunch around 11 or noon, another snack around 2, 3, dinner around 6 o'clock, another snack at 9. And so that's the biggest mistake I see athletes make is they're just not eating enough. They're going to come to me. I actually had an athlete say, what's better for you? A green apple or a red apple? And I'm like, did you eat breakfast this morning? No. (laughs) Well, I'm not, we can't even talk. That's a level three conversation. If you didn't have breakfast, we can't be discussing what's better for you chicken or beef. Right. The most important thing you could do is eat. And so that's probably 90% of the nutritional consultations I do is making sure that we're getting the right amount of fuel in and the right timing. Mm -hmm. And if you pass level one fuel, you get to go to level two, which is food is fire. And my old sports nutritionist taught me this analogy, and I love it. He says, building a meal is like building a fire. When you're building a fire, you need three energy sources. You need quick burning fuel, which is paper, lights up really quick. You need kindling or sticks to create the structure like teepee of the fire. And then you need a big log. You need those three energy sources because if you just try to light up a log, it doesn't work. Or right. If you just light paper, your fire doesn't last very long. And he said, that's exactly how you should be building your meal, which is you need quick burning fuel, which are carbohydrates, things like rice, pasta, bread. My favorite uh, carbohydrates are fruits and vegetables. You need these. These are quick burning fuel. You also need things that are going to create the structure of the fire or the structure of your body. And that's protein. Protein creates every inch of skin, fingernail, nail, muscle, tendon, bone in our body. And then you need that big log on the fire that's going to last all day long, and that's fat. So if you have a handful of carbohydrates, we call them grapes, and we have a handful of fat, we'll call it nuts, same amount of food, the nuts is going to have over twice the amount of energy. It's going to last twice as long. And so we want to make sure when we're building a meal, assuming that you're having breakfast, lunch, dinner, your snacks, you're past level one, then I'm going to look at your breakfast and say, How do we make sure we have protein and fat for your breakfast? Or how do we make sure we have good carbohydrates post-workout? And so most of my athletes, that's where I'm really trying to get them to fast, is how do we get to level two where we're building a fire? And if you do that well, then there is a smaller percentage of athletes that is working on level three, which is food. And it's kind of a funny one because everyone thinks they eat food, but I would argue that most people eat food-like substances. You know, when you look Mm. at the ingredient list of what they're eating, I can't even pronounce, I don't even know what half of these ingredients are. And so I always tell someone a whole food is anything where the name of the food is the ingredient of the food. And so we know an apple is a whole food because the ingredient of an apple is an apple. We know chicken is good for you because the ingredient of chicken is chicken.
0: Mm. And when
1: we get to those whole foods, then we know they have all the right nutrients and the right ratios that get delivered into your bloodstream at the right time. And one of my favorite kind of um, you know analogies or examples that I give the athletes, I say the only way to make a whole food is by combining the power of the sun and mixing it with the nutrients of the earth. It's the only way. The smartest scientists in the world can tell you how much fiber, what kind of vitamins and minerals are in an apple. The smartest scientists in the world can't make an apple. They're going to take right. the power of the sun and mix it with the nutrients of the earth and so that's kind of the journey that we go on is we try and take the athletes meet them where they're at most athletes are at level one and we're either thinking about how do we get breakfast to them that's the biggest culprit or the second biggest culprit is to have lunch and dinner but there's a six or seven hour gap between their lunch at noon and their dinner at six or seven and how do we add more fuel so that's usually the biggest thing we do if they pass that then the On level two, the biggest thing we're doing is adding fat for breakfast or protein for breakfast. Those are huge ones. Or we're looking at uh, dense carbohydrates post-workout. If we can make it past that in level three, then it's just, that's the fun part. Hey man, can you go from white bread to whole grain bread? You know, can you do a a white rice and do a a whole grain uh, or a brown rice? Can you take the, uh, the, you know, the, the candy and can instead, can we do fresh berries just mm-hmm. little things like that where we're just trading out. And when you do that, you get not just the macronutrients, the protein, carbohydrates. You're not only even getting the micronutrients, vitamins and minerals. You're getting these things that scientists haven't even discovered yet. You know, all these phytonutrients that we know do something important, but we don't even know exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. In the animal products, there's these things called zoo nutrients that are only found in animal products. And we don't even know exactly what they do, but we know they're important. And so that's the, the power of eating whole foods is you get all the nutrients that science has discovered and all the things that we haven't even discovered yet. And so it's just a personal journey we take the athletes through and everyone's on a different path. And um, hopefully by the time they've been, they've been in the program for a couple of years, they really make it their own. And it's not us harping on them, but them actually doing it.
0: I love that. That's so easy to remember, too. Like the three F's, you know, it's 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 awesome. To simplify something that typically people overthink uh, to a certain extent, I think people have a little bit of a um, tendency to overthink nutrition and make it harder than it needs to be by skipping steps like, oh, should I go keto or should I do intermittent fasting or should I do this or that? Should I get blood testing to see if I'm deficient in X, Y, and Z? And it's like, let's just start on level one and like just eat breakfast. <laughs> or eat three meals a day with snacks. Like, let's just start there and see if you can get that because what I've noticed um, from the basketball population is that they are it, – it seems like it's uh, – maybe it's from AAU circuits growing up or something, but they're, they're like – they're heavy on the go eaters, which doesn't allow us to really have the best options sometimes. So it's like, you know, the classic – kid walking into a AAU tournament eating mcdonald's and it's like I mean, he dropped 30 in his game but like that's that's not okay how much better could he be if he didn't eat mcdonald's walking into the layup line so i just always think about that and and now these are ways that people can really simplify and and get more out of their athletes and and maybe make it a little bit easier to understand
1: yeah and I, and i I totally get the lure of the supplements. You know, if you watch the commercials or read the magazines or or see the infomercials, you're like, this just seems like the wonder drug or the wonder pill. Mm -hmm. And really that's like the, the, that's just the last 1%. The biggest thing is, are you eating? And, and I've become a better nutritionist having kids. My oldest is a freshman in high school. And to your point about eating on the run, it's, it's challenging Um, And so it's not about being perfect. It's about being better. And so we're really working on level one and level two with him. And what's cool is once you get to that level, you can throw in the level three as you see fit. Um, You know, fast food is part of a high school athlete's life, but there's different levels of fast food. Even going to McDonald's, there's better choices that you can make. You know, we'll do more of something like a Qdoba or a Chipotle or a Subway. And so, you know, just because you're going to fast food doesn't mean you have to have a burger and fries. And I think all those little decisions add up to something great. And you know, we talked about the commitment piece. You know, with my little fourth grade son, we do a 30 day commitment. You know, they're not ready for a year long commitment. They don't even know exactly what they want to commit to yet. <laughs> grade, but they can commit to 30 days of ball handling for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I tell the kids, it's, it's not a goal. It's not something that you want to do. It's something that you have to do for the next 30 days. Ball handle for five minutes. I give each one of them a calendar, and they get a little commitment ring. And then at the end of the 30 days if they turn their calendar, I got a little hoop commitment T-shirt. So we just did that last week with my boys. I love it. And what's cool is for five minutes, you really don't get very much better. But over the course of 30 days, that's over two hours of intentional practice. And every single one of my little fourth graders become a better ball handler because those small decisions add up. And it's the same thing, whether you have McDonald's or whether you have Qdoba, probably doesn't make that big of a difference one day. But over the course of a year, it makes a huge difference, especially because when you're in high school and you're starting to lift weights and you're getting just better quality nutrients. So all those things that might be the limiting factor to building muscle. And so, yeah, I just love going back to the basics. You know, you're going to find most high school guys are not eating breakfast or they don't pack an after school snack. And so- those simple little things uh, make a big difference. And what I've done with my college team here, we do something called the food game. And so I have a little, I don't know if I have it with me here. Oh, yeah. Let's see. No, that's not it. Well, I have <laughs> a little, uh, this little printout that I have where I have each athlete come through and they get to write down what they did the day before. And if they had ate breakfast, they get 15 points. If they had a protein source for breakfast, they got five points. If they had a fruit source, they had another five points. If you had a vegetable source for breakfast, you had ten points. And so you have a max of thirty-five points for breakfast. And they go through each one of their meals and it's out of a hundred. And so everyone's competing against themselves and against their teammates. Yeah. Like it's kind of like a shooting percentage. You know, if you're up in the eighties, nineties, you're a pretty good free throw shooter. If you're in the fifties, sixties, you need some work. And so mm-hmm. when we do this nutrition game, it's just really simple. It's a nice friendly reminder. Did you eat breakfast? If you just ate breakfast, you get 15 points. And how hard is it to just add a banana or an apple to breakfast on your way out? That gives you another 10 points. You know, how hard is it to maybe just have a yogurt? That's an extra five points. And so you can see great nutrition is not about weighing and measuring your food. It's about doing these small little habits on a daily basis to add up to something good.
0: That's really cool. I like that. The gamification always adds a another level, especially with athletes, because, you you know, you, you're working with people that want to compete at something. Like, I don't know. You're probably the same way, but I can't play Uno and just chill like I'm trying to win. You know what I mean? Like I have a five and a seven year old and we're teaching them right now how to play and at, like I'm trying to teach them. And and we let them win occasionally because because it helps. But I'm also like fighting my urge to, to just like dominate. But but yeah, man. So something you said it kind of reminded me of my own kids. I don't know if you're familiar with Dribble Up, but it's uh. So I got them for Christmas. Smart basketballs.
1: Oh, I did see it, Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's like it's really cool because, like you said going back to earning your ex and then now with your five minutes a day with, with your fourth grader, um, I get, my boys are only five and seven years old, but they, I want to introduce them to stuff. So we got them these smart balls and it's like a, it's an app that you can go on and do on demand uh, ball handling classes, or you can do live classes, but you watch, you know, the person on the screen and there's little targets on the screen. It tracks your ball and, You get points when the ball goes in the target and all that good stuff. And uh, Julian, my oldest, he's like, he set a goal where he's like, I want to do two a week. I want to do two sessions a week. And um, I want to do 10 minute sessions every time I do one. I'm like, cool, that's great. So you actually can do that in the app and it'll send you alerts and remind you. Um, But the second piece to that, that's you reminded me is when he does it, he always does more than 10 minutes. So he'll do a 10 minute class and be like, oh, I was forty-eight points away from the next level. And if I get to the next level, I unlock this certain thing. Like, so I'm like, all right, do it. So then he'll end up doing it for 30 minutes to an hour or something. And like you said, that adds up over time and the compound effect. Like I'm a big believer in in like the marathon approach where, you know, I, I'm not I don't want him to be the best fifth grader in the nation. I could I could care less and really think it's stupid that they even rank fifth graders. But I want him to be the best when it's time for those scholarship offers to come in, if that's something that he likes and wants to do. You know what I mean? I think too many people are trying to run the sprint mentality uh, when it's, it's really a marathon, and it's about development over time and where are you going to be when you're 17, 18, um, into the future, and not are you good when you're 12.
1: Totally agree. I always tell people the hardest part of doing anything is starting. You know, my wife did guitar one year, and the hardest part about playing guitar is just sitting down, opening up the case and sticking it on your lap. Yeah. And that's why I do five minute commitments because if you can do five minutes, most of the time that turns into 10, 15, 20 minutes. Um, but some days, you know, if it had to be a twenty minute commitment, they'd be like, oh, I don't have time, I gotta do homework. But even if you've Forgot to brush your teeth and do your homework and it's late at night, you've still got five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I just love that. What's gonna get him going? What's gonna earn that X?
0: You no know, crazy thing is my dad, he's a guitar player, he's been playing for probably, probably 40 plus years now. Um, uh, probably 50, honestly, but he's a he's a bass player, and I tried so much to learn when I was younger. And you're right, it's like first of all, it's painful. Um, you suck at first like it's like not enjoyable because the music that you're producing is is not music and so I fell off the wagon a handful of times man and I, I don't play today but I have a, a great appreciation for guitar players because my dad i mean he, he's a badass on the guitar and I've always been very jealous and mad at myself because how I'm wired now is way different than how i was wired back then like now i feel like when i pick something up I, i've got the the mental toughness or you know the uh just the commitment to do something and back then i look back and i'm like dude you were just like embarrassed cuz you sucked like that's that's so bad to quit you know what i mean
1: 2024 i can see it right now the guitar commitment
0: i, I might have to it. i might have to man so one question i did want to jump back into nutrition about and this is something i've kind of wondered um, for the last couple of years is special co- uh, special considerations for for hoopers right and I know that this necessarily doesn't go super well with like the levels of one, two and three I'm kind of majoring in the minors a little bit but do you think there are any like special commitments for or considerations for hoopers in terms of like vitamin deficiencies like we' we're, we're a winter sport we're indoors all the time you know is is vit- vitamin D deficient like to a to a much further extent than most humans uh calcium uh it, due to lack of sun exposure like things like that I've always wondered because basketball is such an indoor dominant sport in the winter time and it's year round like are there any thoughts that you have on just that topic in general
1: yeah I think the biggest consideration is that Every single person is unique. And so we have to have that on the forefront that, you know, we can't give anyone a cookie cutter thing. We have to actually Mm -hmm. look and see what they're presenting, how they're feeling, how they're performing. But the cool thing about basketball is we know the physical demands of it. We know, you know, for my high schooler, how long his practices are. I know with my college athletes, how many days a week they're going. We know they're lifting weights. We know they have aerobic uh, demands. We know they have anaerobic. They're doing power exercises. And so that right there lends itself to spe- special consideration because when you're doing a program design for a fitness competition, it's a lot different than basketball. When you're working with someone like a golfer or someone like a marathon runner, it's different than basketball. And so what I love about these three levels, they really lend themselves well to a basketball player. And one of the things we kind of go back to level two and uh, building a plate this would be something I really feel like is a good rule of thumb where we could kind of start thinking about the macronutrient breakdown. And I have the athletes make a fist. And if they stuck that fist on a plate, the the thickness, the size, that would be one serving of fruits and vegetables. And so now I think about one of the biggest boys we had here is Schmidt Karnowski, seven foot, 300 pounds. His serving of fruits and vegetables looks a lot different than one of my starting point guards here on a women's basketball team, but it's going to be specific to them. Mm -hmm. And then I have the athlete make a cupped hand, whatever they could kind of, if you can picture like drinking water out of a trough or something, this would be how much dense carbohydrates would be a, a simple serving. So if I could scoop one hand of rice and stick it on my plate, that would be how much dense carbohydrates I would probably need as a basketball player. And then as I make a palm and I take my thumb and my fingers out of it and just look at the, The circumference or the size, diameter of my hand and the thickness, that's one serving of protein. And then the last thing would be how much sauce, how much butter, sour cream would I want to put on my, uh, as condiments, and that would be one thumbs worth. And so what I like there is we're starting to kind of look and say, you know, if you are in a fitness competition, you're not probably going to want the dense carbohydrates, or you're going to want maybe even more protein, or if you're a runner, you're going to want way more dense carbohydrates. And so for basketball players, I think that's a good rule of thumb. And the other thing I think that's important is to find out specifically what you need. Our athletes here, we do some blood work to find out, are you vitamin D deficient? Most of our athletes uh, need help with that. Not only are we in the gym, but we're in Spokane. And mm-hmm. so even when you can get outside, you're probably covered up throughout the whole winter. And so vitamin D is one of the, the few supplements that we actually have our athletes take um, we also looking at their um, food journals, if they need help, a protein powder could be another good thing to be able to lift them up. But for the most part, I really focus on those level one, two, three, getting the hand portion sizes, because the while the vitamins or the supplementation, for sure, there's a place for it. If you focus on that, uh, I think we start to lose our way.
0: hundred percent. Yeah, I agree, man. And that's cool to the, uh, the hand, uh, I don't even know what it's called, the measuring system, it's uh it's built in. You know what I mean? And it's relevant to you, your frame, your size, your body. It's kind of built in. I love that. Um, that. That reminds me or kind of easy segue into the next pillar in training. And I think the same applies as cookie cutter doesn't cut it. You need to have an individualized program to a certain extent. Um, depending on your population, but you definitely need to have something that's meant for you and not for you know, the masses. Um, let's kind of talk a little bit about your, your train part of, of this system and kind of some of the tiers and levels of that that you guys have at Gonzaga and, and just generally.
1: Well, studying Gary Gray, he's just one of my life mentors. He's just not only a, a brilliant person when it comes to function, he is just so smart about life. And one of the things he taught me is the principle of 3D. And he said, on planet Earth, three is a magic number. You know, the tripod is the most stable structure. If you take away one leg, it's no longer stable. If you add a fourth leg, you're adding complexity without adding equal value. So three is the simplest form of complexity. And he would say, just look outside. Every color that we see on planet Earth is made from just three primary colors. And then, of course, the Grand Institute's famous for three planes of motion, sagittal, frontal, transverse. So every move you make on the basketball court only comes from a combination of one of those three movements. And I started thinking, well, three is the simplest form of complexity. And so if you asked me to explain movement and I didn't understand the principle of 3D, I would probably be really lost and confused. If you right. said, hey, explain art or explain colors, and I started getting in the weeds and didn't start with the three primary colors. I don't know if I would have a firm enough grasp on it. And so that's where I came up with the three levels of nutrition and said, man, if I really understand nutrition, can I break it down into a simplest form of complexity? And what's funny is when it comes to nutrition, I'm probably the least educated in that area. You know, I don't have, um, you know, I'm a licensed sports nutritionist, but I don't have a PhD in nutrition or even a master's degree mm-hmm. in nutrition. Um, but that was the easiest for me to formulate, and I think because I'm probably not in the weeds as much, the my next level of education, I'm probably next smartest in uh, in leadership. I do have a master's degree, and so while I love that, that was a little harder for me to be able to formulate the the 3D of leadership. But where I have most of my education, where I've spent the last 20 something years as a strength coach, um, that was actually the hardest for me to do because I think I'm so. Um, but I kind of came up with my, my 3d of basketball performance or basketball strength conditioning, and I call it drive, defend and dominate. And it kind of tells a story. The idea the the first piece of uh, drive is how are you able to drive into these sport specific movements? And so we know the game of basketball, there are movement patterns that are different than any other sport. And so I have to be able to, get my body into a defensive stance. It makes no sense to condition or strength or build power in a range of motion I don't even have. And so as a strength coach, I really feel like my first job is to make sure they have the proper amount of mobility. I'm thinking about do they have the right mobility in the four key areas for a basketball player? Do they have the right ankle mobility, the right hip mobility, the right thoracic spine, the right shoulder mobility? Those are those four key areas. And so I want to make sure that's kind of the level one If you don't have the right mobility in ankles, uh, then that's probably where I need to start. Just like if you're not eating breakfast, should we work on the supplements? Now let's start there. And so if we can pass level one, if we can drive into all the different sports-specific basketball movements, and we have the mobility, then the next piece is can we create the stability? Can we defend that position? Yes, I'm able to drive into a deep squat. Can I I drive the strength to stay there? Do I have the conditioning to stay there? And so that really comes with all the different, maybe triphasic training piece, eccentric strength, concentric. concentric. Um, Can you do it in all three planes of motion? Can you vary the speeds? And so I love that piece because that is really general strength conditioning. I think that's going to help pretty much anyone. If we can go uh, across the board and say whether you're a golfer, a tennis player, and you have the ability to have mobility and stability in all your joints, You're going to probably stay somewhat healthy and be able to have a good career. And then the last piece of that is the top level, which is can you dominate your space? I was able to drive into the sport-specific positions, stay there, defend them. But in one step, in one jump, in one reach, how much space can I own? I think about the reaction piece of it, the balance, the coordination, the vertical. And so that's where it really gets fun. And I think about, most of the stuff I see on social media is really in that third level. And it's so exciting to see some of the plyometrics and the, um, you know, just the off balance training that they're doing, I think is phenomenal. But I think sometimes we forget to make sure that all the major joints are functioning the way they should, and they have strength before you get to that point. And so, you know, with my, the eat train lead, the eat, I think is pretty dialed in, which this is the fuel, fire, food. It's a pretty linear piece where the drive, defend, dominate. Boy, I haven't I don't have a great maintenance mm-hmm. for it except for making sure that we go all the you know above the board on, on on everything. And so when athletes come in, one of the first things I do is I'm gonna sit down with them and find out their goals, their commitments, where they found success, how I can really help them in here. After I do that, one of the first things I'm doing is a 3D movement assessment with them. The Grand Institute has 3D maps. It stands for three-dimensional movement assessment and performance system. And it's a great way to look at each individual joint and how it functions as a whole. And so that right there is going to let me see that level one to be able to see how is their anterior core or their posterior chain, how is it functioning. And within that system, they also take into the stability or the balance component of it. And so really after day one, I have a pretty good vision of where this athlete is and where they want to go. And so, yeah, that's kind of been the system that I've been refining. It's probably out of all three, it's the one that I still feel like I need to hone in more. But that human body is just so mysterious. It's hard to really dial it in more than that for me.
0: Man, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I do the same thing. It's like I think I have the best system ever ever for like three days. And then I'm like, "Oh, I need to tweak this, tweak that. Like, it's crazy to see how much man, the other day I was going, I'm actually on my old computer right now because my, I had to return my new one. And, uh, I was cleaning out some files to, to make sure that I had enough space on this computer to do this podcast. And I found some stuff from like 2017. So I said, this program is terrible. (laughs) Like, it is so bad. Like, how did I give that to an athlete? And uh, it's just cool to see, you know, how you make strides throughout the years and just you work on your craft and and you get better. You know what I mean? So thinking of the 3D maps and and some of the uh, other assessments that you do, what are some changes that you've made over the years that that maybe you would be embarrassed to to um, admit and admit that you have done and taken out?
1: Oh, not over the years, over the weeks, man. It just, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the thing about when you have the three levels or you have these three principles or three pillars, whatever whatever word you want to use, is that those are probably not changing very often, if, if at all. But the application on how you actually implement it to the athlete, that is changing every single day, moment to moment. And yep. so we know that on level one, food is fuel. They need to be eating breakfast. Now, how you do that, could be a disaster. I could say, "Hey, man, let's let's try some uh, yogurt and some berries," and then I find out they're lactose intolerant. Hey, let's, <laughs> right. let's throw some nuts in there, give you more fat. Oh, they're allergic to nuts. Okay, you know you could have disastrous things if you're not kind of checking. But but the principle is the same, which is we need to fuel your body. And so what I love about Drive to Defend Dominate, I don't know very many strength coaches that are gonna disagree with the idea of you need to have sports specific ankle mobility. You need to be able to have mobility in your hips to be able to lunge, squat, drive, skip, shuffle. We know the the positions are going to be on the basketball court. And to me, it's really foundational to say we got to be able to make sure those key joints are moving that way. And then of course, giving someone mobility or giving someone flexibility without the ability to control it is probably setting up a disaster. And mm-hmm. so how do you build strength in those range of motions? We know the time demands they have to be in shape for a two or three hour practice they need to be able to compete with six thousand fans in the arena for 40 minutes and so now we have these guidelines for how to be able to defend how to how how much strength they're going to need and how much conditioning they don't need the conditioning that a marathon runners uh, needs and so you know now my conditioning tests my conditioning drills will change all the time Um, i've made horrible mistakes with that i been way too overzealous you know we maybe you know the thing about Gonzaga we've finished every single season since I've been here with a loss now they're high quality losses they might be in the national championship game with the men's team for our women's team we finished in the second round we lost to Louisville on their home court in the second round of the NC two A tournament we always lose on a, finish the season on a loss and so all of us are chomping at the bit to get going and the biggest mistake I've made is like, hey, we're going to set the tone for this offseason. We only got three weeks before school gets out. And it only takes you hurting one person mm. to realize, oh, I'm the biggest idiot. You know, my job is not to make them bigger, faster, stronger. My first job is to keep them healthy. And so, of course, once you create the right motion, you have this strength conditioning. Then the fun part, the dominate part, the reaction to quickness. You know, I was in this morning thinking about kind of an ACL reduction exercise and The biggest mistakes I make is when I get really overzealous and in my mind's eye, this thing works so awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I'm stupid enough to try it with athletes instead of trying it on myself first. And so I'm (laughs) at this morning, like doing this two foot hop, my hands are going side to side, seeing how it's feeling. Um, But yeah, you know, I think um, it's pretty embarrassing to admit how many mistakes I make on probably a weekly or monthly basis because, you know, the... The humans are just different, you know, just because Mm -hmm. this weight or this exercise worked with someone last week doesn't mean they're able to do it this week. And so for me, what's kind of kept me safer is communication. When I'm not only talking with the athlete, but talking with the athletic trainer, you know, whatever kind of medical professionals we have, the coaches, I tend to make less mistakes than when I'm like, oh, I know what's going on. I'm comfortable. Here's the workout plan. I didn't check with anyone.
0: Got you. Yeah, I love that, man. And let's talk a little bit about some of the sports specific demands like positionally um, at those four key ranges of the body with ankle, knee. um, I think you mentioned no ankle, hip, thoracic spine and, and shoulders. What are some of the things that that you're trying to get your athletes to achieve in ranges of motion at those joints? And Talk about like kind, kind of the domino effect that it has to either have or not have access to those ranges.
1: Yeah, I think when we look at some of the biggest risk injuries for athletes, especially in women's basketball, we're talking about knees and we're probably talking about low backs. And what's really nice is if we can create the proper amount of range of motion in the ankles and the hips, it takes so much pressure off the knees. And we know that the knee goes in all three planes of motion, but dominantly it's going to be in that sagittal plane flexion and extension. And if we can get the ankle really moving in that frontal and transverse plane, and if we can make sure the hip has great internal rotation in the transverse plane, ab and adduction, then those major joints can take the brunt of the force and the knee can do what it does better. And same thing with the low back. If we can get that thoracic spine to really work well in that transverse plane sagittal plane if we get the hip doing the same thing then that low back it takes the pressure off and so i don't have any um specific like hey this is the degree of range of motion you have in your ankles but a good rule of thumb of what i do is when we're training lower body i'm going to make sure that we have some kind of hip mobility and stability exercise some kind of ankle mobility stability exercise to be able to build or maintain that mobility And then to be able to go through and then strengthen. And then same thing, if we're doing overhead presses, it's amazing how many athletes you watch them do an overhead press and they can't get their arms vertical. Or they get their arms vertical, but then they have to go through tremendous amount of extension. And it's not coming from the thoracic spine, it's probably coming from the lumbar spine. Mm -hmm. And so when we're doing overhead days, just doing simple mobility, 3D in the shoulders uh, and the thoracic spine Tends to make all the difference. And so, you know, someone like Gary Gray is an absolute genius in this area. And when we talk about that uh, principle of specificity or individuality. He's able to go through and be able to, if he has a team of 12 ladies, he could hit each one of them uh, and make something that's totally individualized for them. And I'm not at that point right now. And so, what I typically do is more of a shotgun approach, which is, okay, we got to overhead. A day we're going to do, whether it's a pull up or a press, I'm going to make sure I'm getting you in this position and I'm building mobility in all three planes of motion. And then I'm going to go and we're going to do light dumbbells, overhead matrix. I'm going to have you punch in all different directions before we get under that bar and we start increasing mm. the load. And so that's typically how I've done stuff is when we look at the function piece, where we think about 3D, uh, all, all the different ranges of motion, I'm really going to try and hit that in the warm up to prepare them for the heavier lift that we might have that day.
0: I like that a lot. And that kind of even fits into the drive, defend, dominate, where it's like, first we're just going to drive. We're just going to access that range of motion uh, without our rib cage flaring, without our lower back kind of like, you know, initiating the movement. Um, Then we're going to defend it with the matrix that you talked about, adding low levels of load, kind of the little stabilizer muscles. And then now we're going to load it or dominate it. So even that, like the the level one, two, three kind of, fits in that example as well which i really like um one thing about with basketball players and this is i think a common i I want to say a misconception but but a lot of people will say like athlete or basketball athletes they don't necessarily love the gym they don't love the lift um my experience i i feel that they do enjoy the weight room and you know, maybe not the football culture style of the weight room, or you know, hockey or anything like that. But every athlete, and I'm also on the private side, so it's different. They're they're seeking me out, but every athlete I've worked with wants to be there. And to me, that that's kind of a cheat code because it helps me because I know that they're committed to the process. Um, but but you're on the team side and maybe have had. Uh, more of a challenge of getting people kind of on board uh, which kind of brings me into the leadership conversation what are some things that you're getting uh, or or some leadership qualities that you want to instill into your athletes and how are you using strength conditioning to do that
1: well the first thing that we've done is um, our women's basketball coach Lisa Fortier is totally bought into it and so when you have your head coach An advocate, setting aside time, making it a priority. Uh, The the team is so much more likely to buy into it. But the first thing that we do is really even define leadership. You know, if we're going to tell athletes, hey, we want you to be a better leader. Well, what does that even mean? And so for us here, leadership is influence. And I love that definition because in basketball, especially as a player, that's all you have. They have no force. They have no what, what we call traditional power. And so if you're a player or a teammate, you have no power or force over another teammate. You can't say, hey, do this or I'm cutting you from the team. Do this or I'm, uh, I'm benching you. You know, the coaches have force and power, but the players don't. And so if they really want to become a better leader, they have to increase the amount of influence they have. And mm-hmm. so we just have a, a three-part progression, just like the three Fs for basketball nutrition. We have the three Ss for leadership which is synergy, sweat, and serve. And so we say the foundation of all leadership is your ability to create synergy with your teammates. You have to be able to build relationships because the truth is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so you could be the hardest worker on the team. You could be the MVP of the league. And in our program, you're not a leader if you don't have a connection with your teammate. Because if you're telling them what they need to do and they're like, who are you? A lot of times what we see, which is really sad, we'll see people harm themselves just to spite a teammate. They'll see the teammate working out in the gym and they'll come in and be like, uh, I'll work out later, you know, mm-hmm. or they might not even do what the teammate says, even though that's best for them just because they're so mad at them. And so what we teach our athletes here is here are three ways that we really create synergy in our program. We talk about having an attitude of gratitude. We talk about inclusion. We talk about enthusiasm And so we'll spend six weeks just on synergy and we tell athletes, you could be a really good high quality leader. You could have a ton of influence on this team if you know how to build relationships and create synergy. And if you do that well, then you earn the right to be a level two leader, which is to lead by example through blood, sweat, and tears. And so that's level two, the idea of now I have some influence with you because we have a connection and now I'm going to have even more influence with you because I'm walking the walk. I'm showing up early to practice and get my ball handling in. I'm shooting free throws after. I'm competing on conditioning. I'm going to bed. I'm waking up early to eat breakfast. All those things, now all of a sudden, my words have more power. And so most athletes, if you ask them, tell me about your leadership style, I would guess 99% are going to say, I like to lead by example. And that would be level two. And I always tell athletes, that's a high-quality leader. I mean, if you're if you're a level two leader – you're doing great but here's the only thing about leading by example the only problem with it is it only works when people are there to watch and what i've noticed the people that need the most help usually aren't looking for it and mm-hmm. that's what we need a level 3 leader and we say to serve and that's usually telling your teammates what they need to hear with love and so if you have a connection with someone and you've been putting the work in and walking the walk then Not only do your teammates maybe feel like they need to hear from you, they're going to want to hear from you. I think about all the seniors here that have done a good job, that have a connection with the freshmen, that have put three, four years worth of work in. Those freshmen are dying to get some good feedback from those people. And so while leading by example is really good, I think the highest form of leadership is how do you actually help coach and serve someone else? And so that's basically what we're going to spend the whole year doing is just reinforcing that. Leadership is influence. And where are you? You know, if if you want to be have this crucial conversation and be a leader, well, have you done the the earlier steps? You know, if you're gonna rip the team about showing up on time for practice, are you showing up on time for practice? If not, Mm -hmm. go back to level two. Or do you have a connection with this person? If you don't, you don't you haven't earned the right to be able to have that conversation. And so this is kind of a nice one, just like the drive, defend, dominate, which is there's no roadmap. There's no, you know, like start here and then just move here. It's this journey of exploration and you're going two steps forward and one steps back and you're taking these side streets to be able to kind of figure out what the person needs that day. But it is really nice to have these principles to fall back on when you lose your way.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. It reminds me a little bit of, um, the, uh, the last dance when they were talking about how, how MJ, you know what I mean? he would he would get on his teammates as a leader, but everybody knew how hard he worked and they knew you know that he had a personal connection with them and that they could never question his work because they saw him every day putting in that work. And I think you hear the same thing about Kobe Bryant, where like maybe their leadership styles different than others, but it's like they they still had the uh, the synergy. They still had the sweat. They're still serving others. And, and like anything else, it's like we've talked about in this conversation, like it, it's all unique to that individual and, and still cookie cutter approach won't get you there. You're going to put your own kind of spin on it and and kind of fall in line with those things. Um, one thing that's that that the leadership piece reminds me of right now is not even necessarily for the athletes, but coaches, Um I don't know if you just saw, but there was a, there was a, I think an NAIA school here in the Midwest that had five players hospitalized uh, as a, it sounds like it was due to punishment running. So they just got off of a a road trip. They lost two of the, I think two of two games came back. They had to do punishment running and, and the workout led to five players hospitalized, which is just, inexcusable at any level to ever happen and I just think about like leadership it's like that's not leadership like that's that's so far from what a head coach should be doing that I don't even know like what to call it or how to react so what are some things that coaches listening can do to implement better leadership qualities um, not only into themselves but so that we can serve our athletes and instill all these things into them
1: well, I think the key is, is really believing that leadership is influence and knowing the difference between force and influence. Mm. And we brought up Michael Jordan. I think when you're at his level, maybe a Kobe Bryant, I would probably argue that they also have force or they have the tool of power because right. you know, if you're going to punch a teammate in the face and it's going to go over without you being kicked off the team. That's probably more of a force issue. And so I would probably argue that's not great leadership. That's something that, you know, as a parent, I have force. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I hopefully use a lot of influence and leadership on my family. And they do stuff because I'm helping make them, making them healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous. But there are times when I say, you're doing it because I said so. And oh, you're, oh, yeah. it, you're locked in the room. <laughs> I feel so, that. Yeah, and so coaches, they have that tool. And so I would say, if they want to become a better leader, you have to work on leadership. And what, what does that look like? It looks like creating synergy. And the way that I create synergy with a player is might be totally different than the way Lisa creates synergy. And even within teammates, you have to use your natural gifts. You know, when we talk about being enthusiastic, the way that I'm enthusiastic, I might be a rah rah guy, high fiving, you know, smiling, laughing. Mm-hmm. Another way to be enthusiastic is to sit next to someone and say, hey, man, how's the day today? You know, I heard you're, you're moving apartments. Let me know if I can, uh, you know, lend you my truck. There's mm-hmm. so many different tools and techniques that you could use to create synergy. But I feel like coaches need to be able to find some way to create that connection that works for them. You know, here we always talk about with the athletes, I want to be friendly, but not be friends. And so how do you find that way as a coach? And it's way trickier for a head coach than it is for a strength coach because I don't dictate playing time. But I would say, how do you have a connection with them? And then same thing, level two, are you putting in the work? Are you staying up? Are you doing the same drills every single day in practice because you think it's really valuable? Or are you doing it because you haven't spent any time using creativity to find out what this team really needs? And then the last one is we have to look, are we really serving our athletes? And it's embarrassing to say you talked about some of my mishaps in the weight room. Some of them haven't been strength conditioning. Some of my mishaps have been maybe not caring enough to really serve an athlete. And I've learned the difference as my kids uh, grow older. I always care enough to serve them. I care enough to have the hard conversation, to tell them what they need to hear in a way where they can hear it. And sometimes I get a little lazy as a coach. Maybe I might see them cheating a rep and I'm like, well, you know, I might justify it in my mind's eye and say... Well, if if they don't care, I can't care for them, but that's kind of the way out. Or I might just be so frustrated. I might say it in a way where they can't hear it, where they have to, you know, maybe they want to push up against me instead of being able to get that last rep in and have the intrinsic motivation to be able to do it. And once again, just like any of these other things, I don't have any pre-cut answers and I probably get it wrong just as much as I get it right. But the idea of making sure if, if you're a coach and you want to improve your leadership and you're not talking about force or power, to me, I think that's that's the roadmap. Have a connection, put the work in, and then find a way to really serve
0: them. 100%. And I think just the the uh, self-awareness um, there is another big piece. And, and just being real with yourself and, and evaluating yourself as a coach is something I don't think that coaches do nearly enough. It's just like to step back and without bias be like how did i do today or how did i do this week or year whatever and just really be real with yourself because at the end of the day it's okay you know what i mean we're all going to make mistakes you just learn from them and uh try to adapt and move on and um get better the next time so it's one of those things where i think coaches because they have force and because they have power don't think that they need to um refine those skills because it's like or what you know what i mean and so I, I i just think about that a lot because it seems like more and more we're seeing just the abuse of power sometimes and it never results in a good experience for the athlete or the team and at the end of the day that's what we're in this for we're in this to serve others and you know obviously this is our job we got to make money from it and and i'm not shying away from the financial thing but by any means, but if we want to be millionaires, we probably would go into a different profession. And so at, at the end of the day, you, you do want to make a living from it, but at the same time, you got to remember why you started. And that was probably initially to serve somebody, help somebody, or kind of, um, you know, see somebody accomplish some kind of goal.
1: And what's fun is at least being here, and I don't know what it's like at other schools, but, you know, our men's team is – been in the top 10 for the last 10 years, our women's teams in the top 25 every year and our coaches get paid well. They're some of the best coaches in the nation and they are spending not just time, energy, resources, money. They're doing all of it towards the leadership, the, the mindset piece of it. Um, You know, three days a week, our women's basketball team commits to doing leadership work or personal growth work. And same thing, you might have seen it in Sports Illustrated or ESPN, our men's team. Every single Monday, we have PGMs, personal growth Mondays. And so, of course, the X's and O's are so important. But we know that basketball is more than just individual skills. There's that team aspect. And so what's really nice is being able to pull back the curtain and say, what are the things that are really important that are going to get us wins Well, at least both our men's and women's program here really believe that it's working on the relationships in the interior that's just as important as the hard skills of shooting, dribbling, and passing.
0: Yep. And the other thing is those are those are life lessons as well that they can carry with them, you know, well beyond the the span of their career. And, you know, I know a lot of your athletes are having pro careers, but even those will come to an end one day and and they can always bounce back to these lessons that they learned from you guys about personal growth and just you know real life stuff so just wanted to throw that in there um i do want to be mindful of your time i know we've been going for a minute here so i want to jump into the hot seat and throw you through this little random random rapid fire q a and then uh get you to practice or wherever you need to be nice thank you Perfect, man. So these are all, you know, just kind of random. You can go deep on them. You can just give a quick answer, whatever you want to do. And they're typically not about training, so it should be fun.
1: Let's go. Bring it on.
0: All right. So I know that you uh, have hooped with John Stockton for, for the last however many Sundays of your life. Tell me your funniest John Stockton story.
1: Uh, My funniest was we were playing here at GU up on the day court. And, you know, John, in all our eyes, you know, in most people's eyes in Spokane, I mean, he runs the town. He's he's John Stockton. You know, I still feel so lucky that I get to be around him. Not only he's a great basketball player, he is the best human being. And so we're playing up here in GU and he has the keys to the lights and the keys to the gym. And by this time, my son was probably, I don't know, maybe three, four years old, my oldest son. And we always bring him down. And all my buddies are so great. They play catch with them and, you know, wrestle mm-hmm. with them and stuff. And it was one of those Sundays where it probably happens once a year, once every other year, where people just aren't on their A game. We complain a little bit. You know, we're not hustling. And John shot off a warning call. He's like, hey, pick it up. This is getting too sloppy. You know, this is important. And <laughs> we you know, change tune for a couple plays. And then of course we start complaining again and get in a fight. And finally he's like, that's it. And he walks over and turns the lights off and the whole gym goes dark game over. And all of us are like, Oh crap. We did it this time. So we're gathering our stuff. And my little son Carter's like, dad, what happened? Dad, how come the lights are off? Dad. I'm like, "Shh, dad, dad, who turned the lights off? And he like, he would not be quiet. <laughs> and, uh, It was just so funny. At the time, I was just feeling anxious, like, let's get out of here. Yeah, You know, we'd go back to the Synergy Sweat Serve. If anyone else would have done that, it would have been such a jerk move, a baby move. Oh, yeah. But he does it, and it's one of the highest forms of servant leadership. You know, I don't know how many groups have stuck together for 20 years, playing every single Sunday through multiple generations now. And to do that, it takes an unbelievable amount of synergy with everyone. You got to be the hardest worker on the court. If you want the games to be competitive and be the best game in town, you have to bring it. And he's done that Mm -hmm. at age 60. And so, you know, when he does that move, it's unbelievable servant leadership. If I did it, probably me being a baby.
0: No, that's funny. I love that. That's a good one. All right. You got to start one, bench one and cut one. Eat, train, lead oh <laughs> yeah i put you in a bad spot there
1: you know i don't think you know you you touched on it It's gotta start lead Yep. you know bench i'm gonna say eat train cut only gotcha. because a basketball player is gonna get on the court and we know skill is king and feeling yep. that body is so important and of course, I don't want you to skip any, but I always tell people I'd rather have you miss a workout than miss a meal.
0: I like it. I love it. All right. When you were 12 years old, what was your dream job? NBA. Oh, that's I should have known.
1: Yeah, that was it's still my dream job. I don't know. if it's gonna
0: <laughs> I hear that, man. I play every Sunday, too. And I'm just praying a scout shows up one time.
1: I have a feeling your game is on the up. My game is really <laughs> good. I'm just trying to slow it down. My little high school son now is beating me about half the time. It's killing my confidence.
0: Yeah, I I, I could imagine. That's a tough pill to swallow. Um, all right. Who is your dream guest on your podcast?
1: I I, I had two of them on. Uh, one was Stockton. I mean, yeah, yeah that's dope. Like I said, I mean, it, for as great of a basketball player he is, the quality of human being he is and how much he cares about the people that are in his circle is just off the charts. And so to have him on is a dream because he does not do those kind of things. You know, he's super private. Mm-hmm. And so for him to do that for me was just unbelievable. And the other one was a Gary Gray, who's, you know, just a, a mentor to me. And so to have him on, he's kind of like, to me, he's like the the John Stockton or the Michael Jordan of physical therapy. So those were like the two big ones that I was pretty excited about.
0: Got you. All right, a couple more now. I know we talked about eating healthy and, and all that good stuff, but I need to know what is one food you would eat every single day for the rest of your life without having to worry about the health implications?
1: Well, I already do it. And I'm so bummed that I sold my Chipotle stock. Because when it got down to 250 a few years ago, I took all my money and I put it in. And I thought I was Warren Buffett himself. I studied Warren Buffett. (laughs) So for 365 days, I'm studying the stock market, Warren Buffett, reading all his books. I buy Chipotle at 250, it gets all the way up to 950, I sell it, then the pandemic hits. I seriously, I'm like, move over Warren Buffett, I'm the smartest investor, all my friends are like, the stock market, the sky's falling. There was, and I'm like, just feeling like I'm the man. Yeah. And then, of course, Chipotle goes down to 450. I don't buy it. I keep waiting for it to go down more. And now it's up at whatever 1400, 1500. And I mm-hmm. sold all my shares. Heartbreaker because I go to Chipotle every day, and I love it, and it makes me feel good. Now, you know, feel good aside, burgers are my absolute favorite food. Oh yeah. But if I have more than a burger a week, I'm like, ah, you know, I just don't feel as good. Yeah. I have Chipotle twice a day sometimes and I feel good and I just love the way it tastes. So I'm just waiting for Chipotle to get down below a thousand so I can buy it again. Help me out. There.
0: Yeah, hey, for so
1: real. If you see it drop down, I'm I'm unloading <laughs> all my all my funds into it again. Cause I'm just still handily keeping that thing afloat.
0: Now, I'm obligated to ask now, like, what's your order? I mean, you probably got it memorized. Like, what what are you getting every day?
1: Well, you know, right now, my activity level is getting more. And so typically what I do is a salad on days where I'm not like, you know, like expending a whole lot of energy or a bowl. And then this is going to show you how cheap I am. I always go (laughs) chicken until i get enough for a free meal then i go whatever the most expensive meat is like now it's the garlic steak you know i love it Uh, but yeah every day it's the same it's the salad it's the brown rice i do black and pinto beans chicken i do the corn salsa and the tomato salsa and then uh, the veggies and guacamole and that's kind of my go-to and i just feel good strong feel like i did something good for my body
0: that's the hoop commitment bowl right there that's You need that. You got to get that uh, NIL deal or whatever endorsement deal.
1: Maybe maybe when I finally make my dream an NBA, I'll get a deal. All
0: right, last one here. Uh, I call this the one shot challenge. Okay, so you got one shot from each of these spots on the court. Each spot is associated with a dollar amount. So you got to choose a spot. You can either get a corner three for 100 grand, a wing three for 50 grand. Top of the key for 25 grand or a simple free throw for 10. You get one shot, one spot. If you miss, you go home empty handed. So where are you taking that shot?
1: Well, this is showing me how much I need to work on my mental performance because I'm starting to sweat right now just thinking about it. Like this, I mean, gosh, I really have to do some more mental performance training to like slow down and breathe. I think I'm going top of the key three. You know, definitely the – that baseline three with no depth perception, you know, the the light shine, yeah. right, money in the line. Um, the wing, I think I'm decent at, but, you know, it's almost automatic from the top. I played mm-hmm. countless hours of one-on-one. And when I was in high school, we didn't know, like, you should be playing one-on-one from different spots. 100% <laughs> of the time, you check it from the very top <laughs> So I think that's my go-to. I think I probably have the same shooting percentage from there as I do from the free throw line. which I don't know if that means my three is good or my free throw sucks, but it's probably going to be the same result.
0: I like it. I like it, man. Well, uh, that's the hot seat, man. Just wanted to throw some different things at you, kind of get a little more informal and meet the real Mike, you know what I mean? So I really appreciate you jumping on here and spending the time with me to uh, knock this show out. This was awesome. Like the whole time I'm thinking about sound bites and clips that I, that I'm going to share. And I just loved it, man. So why don't you tell the audience kind of where they can find you and uh, learn more?
1: Well, yeah, go to hoopcommitment.com and that's, uh, you know, it has a bunch of different downloads. It has that nutrition game that we talked about. You can download that for free, um, has commitment calendars. You can, uh, email me Mike at hoopcommitment.com or of course, find me on social media at hoopcommitment. Um, yeah, I just love to be able to help out. You can also find me on Gem Sessions. The yes, sir. The hottest, hottest podcast. Hoop uh, hot podcast hot. online. I'm gonna be on there coming soon. I don't know when, but find me there.
0: I love it, man. Thank you so much for joining me, Mike.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Great connecting.
0: And that was episode eleven with Mike Nielsen. I really hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I love talking to Mike. That was that was a really great conversation, and I have learned a ton in a short amount of time just by talking to him. So I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, One quick favor I want to ask, and this is something that I'm trying that I stole from a podcast that I was on, but what I want you to do is go to whatever platform that you listen to this on and leave feedback or comments so that Mike, my guest, can go back and know how amazing his episode was and how much he helped other people by doing this show. So if you're on YouTube, drop a comment like it, share it with somebody. If you're on Spotify, same thing, leave feedback. If you're on other platforms, go ahead and give it a five-star review. Not only does this help my show by leaving feedback and, and having high reviews, which is great, and I would appreciate that, but it also helps me show appreciation for Mike and other guests that I have on in the future by having my audience take a little bit of time out of their day to share a way that this episode helped them or share something that they learned from Mike. So if you could do that, that would be huge, not only for me, but it would be great to send Mike this link and and see all the comments from you guys saying, yo, this was awesome. I learned this, that, or the third from Mike and Mike's an awesome dude. So I think it's just a, it's a double, it's kind of a win-win. It helps me grow the show, which is great. Like I said, I would appreciate that, but it also, it's going to help Mike know, how big of an impact he's really making and how awesome this show was, like I said. So if you could do that, whatever platform you're on, that would be huge. I would greatly appreciate that. Other than that, I'm so grateful for you taking the time to listen to the show. I love the support and thank you so much for your continued support until next week. I will see you guys then. Thank you so much.